Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. Right. Um, I uh, had a lot of fun yesterday. I was shooting that little welcome video out in my yard, as you could tell. Um, I, I want to say this because Luke would probably be mortified if you thought that he shot and edited that video. That was all me. That was not Luke. He does a lot of our videos here. Uh, so I'll take full blame or credit for that one. Uh, but I was out there, and my five-year-old Andrew that you saw on the video, he was like watching me. You know, He did a good job being quiet while I was filming and stuff. And he said, he said I want to do one. I want to do one. And I kid you not, he everything he said was his own little script he had in his mind. I was like, oh, that's so cool. I had to share that with you guys. Um, but he is funny because he has decided that he is a hip-hop fan. I, I, don't know what, I don't know what kind of music you guys like, but he is a hip-hop fan. He calls it cool music. That's what he calls it. He doesn't know in the name, he doesn't know rap, doesn't know hip-hop, doesn't know country, you know, he don't know names of any genres, but he's like, I like the cool music. You get in the car, if you play anything that's a little more mellow, that doesn't have a good beat, he's like, play cool music. And so like, you know, I find something. So yesterday we were riding around and we were listening to, uh, uh, my go-to for him just on the spur of the moment is, I don't know if y'all know, but a couple years ago, Kanye West, yes, Kanye West put out a gospel album and it was really good. I liked it. And so uh, I, I play that for him and he loves that. That satisfies him. And it's got some bass and stuff and he likes it. And there's this one song called Chick-fil-A or closed on Sunday and it's all about Chick-fil-A how it's closed on Sunday but a lot of people think it's just a silly song but it's got a really cool meaning he's saying you know take time to rest and and worship and be with your family and there's this one part in the song song where Kanye says uh forgive me if I butcher a little bit but he says something to the effect of put the gram away talking about put Instagram away and stop Instagram and I guess you know he was married to Kim at that time and she spends a lot of time on social media so he's like put the gram away and focus on the people around you that's my little interpretation so we're you know listen that song we get home and come to find out Andrew is singing that to uh, around some family and they tell me that he said get this this is what he heard put grandma away (laughs) so so, I don't know if my mother-in-law's watching or my mom's watching, but don't worry, we're not putting you away just yet. You know, nothing like that. But I just, it's funny, though, isn't it, how, like, sometimes even us adults will hear song lyrics and we'll get them all confused and we'll think we know exactly what it was. He thought put the grandma away was put grandma away. And I, don't, I didn't ask him, I didn't probe into how we're going to put her away, but he said put the grandma away or grandma away. Um, but it's funny, though, how you can look at two, diff- or two events. Excuse me, I'm getting tongue-tied. It's funny how you can look at one event and a couple of different people can get totally different perspectives. You ever seen that in life? Absolutely, right? We see it all the time. But that happens a lot with songs. And uh, one of my favorite things to do is stuff just like what Andrew did, is to hear or my own ideas about misheard and misunderstood lyrics. Do you ever like watching those? Uh, There's a YouTube video put out by the Holderness family. They're a family that just does YouTube stuff, and they're from Raleigh, North Carolina. They got some funny stuff, um, but they did a whole thing of misheard lyrics that people shared with them. This is legit stuff that people thought they heard when they heard certain songs. Um, you remember the old 80s rock song, Pat Benatar, um, Hit Me With Your Best Shot? Somebody thought, hit me with your pet shark. Go ahead and hit me with your pet shark. That's what they thought. That's probably what it was. Um, How about, uh, this is probably, is this 70s maybe? Eddie Money, Two Tickets to Paradise. Y'all know that song? 
Even if you're not a 70s person, you probably know this song. Somebody literally thought two tickets to paradise was two chickens are paralyzed. <laughs> Pack your bags, we leave tonight. Yeah, that's, that's what they thought. Um, Zach Brown Band, a little more current. Uh, they have a song. It's <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> she got too close, so I fought it. You know, like in a relationship. She's like, I fought it. They said... She got too close, so I farted. <laughs> Same effect. If you want her to back up, that's probably a good tool. Um, Backstreet Boys, you might remember Backstreet Boys. Was that early 2000s, maybe late 90s, something like that? Um, Backstreet Boys, uh, Tell Me Why, I guess is that the name of the song. Tell Me Why. They, um, somebody thought the line to the chorus was, <laughs> I don't know if I can see it, I can tell it. Ain't nothing but a fart, hey, tell me why. <laughs> Ain't nothing but a meat steak, tell me. They really thought that that was the two lines. Sorry, I'm saying fart twice. You know, most of the kids are, oh, there's a few kids here. I'm setting a bad example. Um, don't say that. Don't say that. Uh, Steve Winwood, I think this is 80s. Most people know the song, even if you're not an 80s person. Um, bring me a higher love. Somebody thought it was. Bring me a pie of love. Whoa. Pie of love. That's what they thought. Um, CCR, which is like 70s southern rock, I guess. Uh, Credence Clearwater Revival. Um, Bad Moon on the Rise. Y'all know that song? I see. Somebody thought the line was, there is a bathroom on the right. <laughs> Instead of Bad Moon Rising, which that's helpful. You know, directions to toiletries is really important. Um, Rihanna, here's a little more, little more current. This song's got some age on it now, but a little more current. Rihanna, um, Umbrella, you know, y'all know that song? All right, somebody thought the, the chorus part was, you can stay under my arm forever, ever, 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 hey, hey, under my arm, under their armpit. That's what they thought, not Umbrella. Umbrella, Ella, 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 hey, is much cooler. Um, Far East Movement, you guys remember uh, the song, Like a G6? Anybody remember that song? Like a G6. Y'all don't listen to that stuff? All right. But there's a sign, the, the chorus is like a G6, a jet, you know, like a G6. Somebody thought this, I like this one, like a cheese stick, like a cheese stick, <laughs> like mozzarella sticks. I thought that was pretty good. That's more my speed than a G6. Cheese sticks are more my jam. That's all I can afford. Um, then Journey, this is a song that almost everybody knows, right? Journey, a um, uh, song called Open Arms, this song called Open Arms. Somebody thought the line was, now I come to you with broken arms. <laughs> broken arms. And the guy who thought it literally sang it to his wife at their wedding and said broken arms. <laughs> broken arms. And then this... I, I've got two more. I forgot. There's one more that I want to share with you. This was one that my wife had uh, did. It's, uh, it's been put out twice. Dobie, Gil Dobie Gillis, maybe, and then Uncle Cracker. Isn't that what you call your uncle, Uncle Cracker? Uh, uncle Cracker and Dobie Gillis put out this song. Get, the line is, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. My wife and another friend of hers growing up always thought it was, give me the beach, boys, and free my soul. Wanna get, and I mean, that sort of fits, you know, you like the beach, boys. But this is my, this is my favorite one. I've got a twisted sense of humor, but this is my favorite one. Um, Elton John, all right, he's crossed many, you know, decades and generations. Elton John, song Tiny Dancer. Hold me closer, uh, Tony Danza. Tony Danza. Remember Tony Danza? So, 
I, yeah, I don't quite have the voice of Elton John, but maybe, maybe now I do. I don't know how his voice holds up anyway. But here's the thing. You can look at one situation, you can listen to one song, and you can get multiple understandings, multiple perspectives. And there's a story in the Gospels in Mark, we're continuing our series, in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 14, where there's one event that takes place, and a couple of people, or a couple of groups of people, get totally different perspectives, all right? So Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 3, you can look on the screen, the scripture will be up there, you can follow along in your Bible on your phone. Uh, Mark 14, verse 3, read along with me. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume on over his head. Now, this story is interesting because it's in a couple of other Gospels. You sometimes see that, that the Gospels have different, you know, versions of the same story. And, and some of the details sometimes are different because if I'm telling a story, it's going to be a little different than the way you tell a story. But overall, the, the main things are there. And so this story is also recorded in John chapter 12 and actually as well in Matthew 26. And oddly enough, in, uh, I believe, the John account... He gives a name that it's Mary. It's Mary, who we believe to be Mary, the mother, or, or excuse me, the sister of Lazarus, who we also know a lot about. Jesus raised him from the dead. And it also, in other accounts, talks about that this was a meal that was put on by Lazarus. And so scholars kind of debate, and I don't want to bog you down with those details because they're not as important as what happened. But it may have been a joint effort between Simon and Lazarus. Um, Simon could have been another name for Lazarus. Lazarus, you know, they often went by different names at that time, multiple names. You know, it could be a middle name type thing. But here's the thing. The important thing is what happens at this meal. And it says this woman comes out in the middle of the meal and breaks out this expensive jar of perfume that was like, expensive expensive I'm talking about expensive and it even goes so far as to say in just a second how valuable this was and she does something really odd she breaks it open and pours it out over his head in the midst of all these people now there's a few red flags that we don't get we don't get this but in their culture for a woman to enter into the middle of this meal most likely this was a meal that consisted mostly of men around this table for her to come in and sort of interrupt was very presumptuous and she came in in the midst of him and she does this really outrageous at least in a lot of their minds this outrageous act of uh, pouring this perfume on his head and so all kinds of ideas were going on in people's minds as this was happening but she goes and she does it she pours it out on his head and it says in verse 4 some of those at the table were indignant indignant you know, this word we've, all, we've seen a little bit before. We used it just a few weeks ago when Jesus was indignant. And we looked at some other accounts when this was, this was upset. This was sort of angry. That these people were angry at what she was doing. And here's what they said. Why such expensive, or excuse me, why waste such expensive perfume? They asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. Now, I want you to think about for a second. It's easy for us to miss the depth of Scripture sometimes because I, I say this all the time, and maybe I'm the only one that does this, but it's black and white on a page, you know, or something like that, or on a screen, red in this case, and you're reading it, and you just sort of don't think about the details. He said it was a year's wages. I, I haven't looked it up very recently, but the last time I checked, 
uh, you know, average salary maybe in our area, I think for our town is somewhere around sixty to seventy thousand dollars. The median uh, salary of, in our town is sixty to seventy thousand dollars a year. Some people make a lot less, some people make a, make a lot more. But let's just say, let's round it off to fifty thousand. Let's say we make fifty thousand dollars a year. Can you imagine? Imagine somebody taking fifty thousand dollars of your their hard-earned money and just pouring it out in a couple of moments all over Jesus. I don't know about y'all, but, you know, I, I don't wear a lot of cologne, and some of y'all probably know, you're like, I wish you would. But I don't wear a lot of cologne, but when I did, I'm telling you, I use that stuff sparingly. I might have spent, like, $50 on my cologne, but I'm like, partly because I don't want to, you know, be that guy and, like, you know, douse in it. I'm not, like, you know, middle schooler, axe, you know. But partly because I'm cheap, I'm, I'm frugal, right? I'm like, I don't want to waste my money. So I'm like, a little bit. She takes $50,000, the equivalent of that, and pours it out in just a few moments. I mean, imagine, you know, it's easy to judge these guys that are murmuring and wondering this and say, you know, how dare they say that? But if you were there, what would you have thought? What would you have thought? You know, I mean... What, $50,000 now buys you a used car? <laughs> I mean, about what it does. It used to buy you a brand new car with somebody to drive it for you, but now it buys you a used car, buys you a Ford Fiesta. Brand spanking new, 1999. Real classic. 50 grand. But no, it, it's a, a lot of money that's just poured out, and it says that they were indignant, they were upset, they scolded her right in the middle of it. They didn't wait. They said, you're crazy. What are you doing? And are they that far off? She spent a whole year's pay to pour out on Jesus in just a couple of minutes. And they complained. I mean, I mean, come on. They had every right to, right? I mean, is it that crazy for them to be upset? Some of them, honestly, like I said, I can be sometimes frugal. They, they really just thought, hey, I'm, I'm frugal. I'm frugal. That's all it is. That's why I'm doing it. I'm concerned about the waste of money. Jesus has got a big ministry, and we got a lot of places to go. We got people to see. They didn't realize how close his death was because the closest guys didn't understand that he was still going to die. He had told them. He was like grabbing them by the cheeks. I'm going to die. And they're like, they're like your kids when you're trying to tell them something. You know, I never heard that before. You know, it's like I've told you 12 times. But they, he, they don't understand. They think, hey, there's a lot to do. We got, you know, a lot of people to take care of. We need this money. It's a waste. And one reference, I believe, in John, it says, in that account, it, it doesn't say the group of people. It says that Judas is the one who voiced the concern. This money could have been used to, to do all sorts of things, to take care of the poor. You know, it's a year's wages. Now, what's interesting about it being Judas? Judas, there's a couple of things. Okay, the big glary one, we'll go ahead and get that one out of the way. He's the guy who's going to end up doing what? Betraying Jesus. But then, I heard somebody say it, he is the guy who's in charge of what? The money. He was probably trying to pilfer some, and he was doing a little, you know, little skimming off the top. And so he's like, man, a year's wages, that could have been sold, and that could have been in my pocket, you know? At least a good 20, 30%, right? You know, I mean, there's fees involved in handling money is what he's thinking. He's, he's justifying like all of us do about our sin. And so he says this, they complained and he complained and, and you think about it. They might have thought they were being frugal. But Judas, Judas wasn't just frugal like maybe some of these other guys were. He was fake, wasn't he? He was fake. He loved himself more than he loved Jesus. 
Yeah, you think about that. He loved himself more than he loved Jesus, and so he thought it's a waste for it to be on Jesus when it can be what? Right here in my pocket. He loved himself more than he loved Jesus. He loved money more than he loved Jesus. And when we think about Judas, we think about this horrible guy who's the villain of all villains, but can't we easily fall into the same trap as Judas? Where we love ourselves more than we love Jesus? And we love money more than we love Jesus? He loved his own plan more than the plan of Jesus. And let me ask you to pause for just a second. All right, everybody snap out of it. Focus on this for a second. Think about this question. Do you ever catch yourself rolling your eyes when other people sacrifice extravagantly for Jesus? Now I want you to think as many varied ways as you can. Maybe it's money. They give a generous amount of money for the kingdom. Maybe it's the way that they worship when we sing songs. Maybe it's the way that they serve. Maybe it's the way that they share their faith. Maybe it's the way that they spend a lot of time in prayer. But have you honestly, and I want you to be honest, you don't have to raise your hand, um, because probably all of us would raise our hands, but do you ever catch yourself sort of like, here they go again, Miss Holy Roller. Holier than thou. Better Christian than everybody else. Have you ever been guilty of that? I, I know I have. It's easier than we would like to admit sometimes to have the same attitude where we think we're being frugal. We think, we, oh, I'm just being wise, but I think what you're doing is silly. I think it's a waste. Why would you do so much for Jesus? And you might call him crazy. You might call him Jesus freak. You might say all sorts of things. Why waste such great potential on serving God when you've got so much ability? You know, why waste so much time or energy on the church when you can really, you know, when you really could just do so much more with your life. I had uh, a girl who used to be in my youth group years ago. She's an adult woman who loves Jesus now, and she fought through this adversity. But when she was getting ready to decide to go to college, she was thinking about nursing, and she was thinking about some sort of ministry. Now, she didn't say that it couldn't be nursing ministry, because that's very much a thing. You can minister anywhere you work, that's no doubt. But she was like, I think I want to go to Bible college, and then I'll go maybe get my nursing degree. Her parents had raised her in the church, but when she said Bible college, they were like, eh, such a waste, such a waste. Now, we can all talk about the cost of college on every level. That's a whole other thing. But it was not a waste. If you want to pour your life out for Jesus and devote your life to Jesus in some way, don't ever let anybody convince you that it's a waste. And we get people who love Jesus can have this mindset that when you do things for Christ, it can be a waste. Imagine how people outside of the church feel. And you probably heard it. So do you live like that, what some people call crazy, or do you take a more laid-back approach to your faith? If you do, I want you to consider this this morning. Check your motives for why you do what you do. You might be frugal. You might be frugal, you might be more reserved, and that's okay. Everybody's personality is different. Not everybody gets outwardly emotional about things. And it, it, I'm not, not saying that, but here's what I'm saying. Check your motives. Pray and ask God to help you look at your motives for why you either get all in with Jesus or you sort of stand back. Is it truly that that's not sort of your personality type, but you're completely devoted, but it just looks different? Or are you holding back from him? Do you think that you're just being cautious 
Or do you think you're being wise? Or do you think you're being frugal? Are you waiting until the right time? Or are you simply rejecting Jesus? That's heavy. That's heavy. And I would love to, can I tell y'all something? It's not fun to stand up here and say these things. It's not fun because all the while while I'm preparing this stuff, I'm getting stabbed in the heart and in the mind because I'm like, this is impacting me. And I've got to answer these questions too. It's not joyful to stand up and ask these hard questions, but we've got to if we're going to be honest. So are you just waiting for the right time? Are you approaching it in a different way? Or are you completely sold out for Jesus? Or are you rejecting him? That's the question that we have to answer. We've got to be honest and look. Don't just tell us ourselves that we're trying to use wisdom. It's easy to fool ourselves when we really don't trust Jesus. And call it something else. Look at verse 6. But Jesus replied, this is after they've been fussing at her. Jesus replied, leave her alone. <laughs> leave her alone. Can I tell you something real quick? Doesn't matter, I'm going to tell you anyway, so just nod your head and say yeah. <laughs> when you feel overwhelmed, you feel like the world is against you, cry out to Jesus. And I guarantee you, he'll say, leave her alone. Leave him alone. When you feel overwhelmed, you feel like the world's against you, it feels like everybody's attacking you and they're scolding you and fussing at you, call out to him and he'll tell them to leave you alone. But he goes on and he says, why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me, Jesus says. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. He's saying this simple act of craziness that you think is insane, people are going to remember and they're going to talk about it. And Jesus knew that in 2022, September 18th, that we were going to be talking about this woman's great act of faith and her crazy, crazy act of sacrifice right now and for many more years to come and I'm telling you if you can trust Jesus enough to give him everything that will be what is remembered and let's address this really quick is Jesus saying don't take care of the poor some of y'all like sweet <laughs> you know when then people are at the end of the exit ramp you know getting off on the Capitol Boulevard or something and I can roll my window up sweet Jesus said so I'm good I know, I'm not going to get into that. We all know some of them aren't legit. But, here, but here's the thing. Is he saying don't take care of the, the poor? Absolutely not. The part of the passage is really time sensitive to them right there. Jesus is about to die, and he's saying, look, I'm not going to be here physically with you forever. Right now, this is important. She's preparing me for my burial. They physically had Jesus with them. And at that moment, Jesus was there, and he was about to die. And so he took priority. And now, one of the ways that we worship, according to what Jesus said in Matthew 25, is when we give to the poor, who are we actually giving to? Jesus. He said, when we visit people in prison, who are we actually visiting? Jesus. You know, when we clothe naked people, well, who are we actually clothing? Jesus. So don't, tell, don't believe that, oh, that means we don't have to serve the poor. But what he's saying is in that moment, it was important that they, they focus on him because their time with him was running short. 
And so here's what I want you to understand. This is what we actually, I believe, need to learn from this passage, all right? If you tuned out, tune back in, all right? This is what we need to learn. Your worship is never a waste. Your worship is never a waste. Now, I don't want you to hear worship and only think singing what we just did for a few minutes here. That's part of it. That's absolutely part of it. I don't want you to think giving, but that's part of it. I don't want you to only think, you know, praying. That's part of it. It's our whole entire life. Everything we do is worship. And I want you to know when you worship God with all of your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, it's never a waste, even if people laugh at you, and even if people make fun of you, and even if people get angry at you. If you're following God's word and his will, it's never a waste. It's never a waste to keep on worshiping him. When you sing, you're not simply singing. You're proclaiming that Jesus is king, he's creator, he's sustainer, he's healer. That's what we do. That's why we invite you to sing. And it's a weird thing in our world and our culture to stand up and sing with a bunch of people. People outside of the church, they don't understand it that much. But we do that because our king is alive and he's real and we celebrate him. And we pour out our hearts to him. And we, we pour out our worries, our cares, our sins, and our weakness when we sing. It's, it's like praying, really. And so when we pray, we're doing the same thing. When you give, you're not simply paying dues to a country club. You're changing eternities. Did y'all hear that? You're changing eternities and you're creating opportunities for people to hear the gospel and have their lives changed when you give. It's worship. When you serve a cup of coffee here to somebody at church, you are telling, or you tell a little one to sit down for the 12th time that morning so they'll hear the story about Jesus. <laughs> You're worshiping when you do those things. You are worshiping God when you plug in a cable, when you welcome people in the door. It's all worship. Are you listening? It's all worship. When you go about your day, and you're seeking to honor God as you're at work or you're at the store or you're at the playground with your kids, when you're seeking to honor God in your everyday life using every moment, it's worship. When you're willing to go to extremes and past your comfort zones to sacrifice your time, your money, your energy, your talents, your reputation, God is honored. It's worship, all of it. It's time for us to stop caring what other people think and start caring about what our Savior thinks. That's the challenge I want to really put out for me and for you today is stop caring about what everybody else thinks so much and start thinking about what Jesus cares about. My breath. <laughs> Here's something that I want you to know. This world is not going to be saved by wishful thinking. There's a lot of us who our faith is limited to wishful thinking. This world is going to be saved by wasteful worshipers. You know that? It's going to be saved by people who are going to be called crazy outside of the church and inside of the church. People who completely try to give everything over to Jesus every moment of the day. And they're going to fail and they're going to stumble, but they're going to keep getting back up. And they're going to keep pouring it out. And they're going to do what's wasteful and crazy. But that's the, the kind of people that are going to help save the world through Jesus is wasteful worshipers. And here's the truth. The world won't be saved by frugal people. It will be saved by faith-filled worshipers. Those are the kind of people that I want to be, and I want you to be too, and I hope you are, and I hope you're striving for that. You see, this woman had enough faith to give Jesus everything, no matter what it cost. Some saw it as wasteful, 
But God saw it as worship. God saw it as worship. So are you pouring out your all for Christ? There's three ways I want you to think about to live a life of worship. The first one is this. Participate when the church gathers. I can't tell you enough of how important it is. Yes, that means to be here with the church. That's so important. Your presence matters more than you could ever imagine. Even if you're newer here and you don't know a lot of people yet, man, once people meet you, once they see you, they're like, man, I, I want to see their face again. And we want you to be involved. But your presence is important. How you sing and how you act and uh, say hello to people, give them a fist bump, shake, high five, something like that. Stand around, meet them, greet them, talk to them, let them know that you care. Those kind of things are so important. Participate, sing out to God, pray with and pray for others. Give generously to God through the church. And, and let me ask you this, do you allow the Spirit to work through the Word and then go and try to live out the message? That's a way that we live out a life of worship. We participate when the church gathers. The second thing is this, connect with the body throughout the week. This sounds like a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal to some of you who have been here a little bit because I talk about this kind of stuff a lot. But I struggle with it, you struggle with it, we all struggle with it. Being a part of the church is a body. And if you, a body that's healthy doesn't separate and go its own separate ways. So we need to be connected by more than just when we gather here on Sunday mornings. We need to reach out. We've got so many opportunities. We can text message. We can use social media. We can get together for coffee. We can do whatever, have people over for dinner, gather around a fire pit. We can do all kinds of things, but connect. Go to a connect group. Connect with the body throughout the week. And here's the third thing. Keep your eyes focused, open, to see how God is calling me to live out my faith every day. Ask God, help me to have my eyes open as I'm going throughout my week to see the opportunities that he is providing right there for me. Help me to see them. That's so important. Are you prayerfully living? I find that a lot of times prayer is like 911 for me. Can you relate? Sometimes when I get in a bind, prayer is like 911. It's like, oh, oh, oh I need Jesus. I'm going to pray. But you and I need to be praying at all times about everything. Pray without ceasing. We need to have a running conversation with God, saying, God, help me to see these people that I get frustrated with. What are their needs? What are their desires? What are their hurts? What are their pains? Give me an opportunity. Give me an open door. Help me to see a chance to serve. Help me to see a chance to love. I, another thing that we need to do is generous living. We need to be giving at all times of our time, our energy, our money, all of these things, looking around for every opportunity. And then faith-filled living. As we said earlier, the world's not going to be saved by frugal people who just stand back and wait for something to happen. It's going to be changed because of the love of Jesus by people who go out and live big dreams of faith and ask God to rip them out of their comfort zones because comfort zones turn into coffins really quick. They turn into coffins really quick. And those, man, those ruts that we get in, they turn into graves really quick. You just close the ends in and a rut's a grave in just a matter of moments. Help us to live in faith and look and stretch and jump out of the boat and take a leap of faith and say, God, help me to do what only you can help me do. Are you seeking to live your life as worship and prepare yourself for others for eternity? Sad thing is, is a lot of us, 
spend 75 to 80 years preparing for a life that's only going to last about 75 to 80 years. And we never truly prepare for eternity. Even people within the church. We follow Jesus, but we're not preparing for eternity. And so I want to ask you this question. I actually want to sort of tell you a story as I ask you the question. What would you say about a man who took his family out of a comfortable situation with a good income and moved his entire family down to the jungles, the remotest jungles of South America? And he moved that family, his children, his wife, with some friends and their families. They moved down to the remotest parts of, of South America. And they purposely lived close to a very warlike tribe that would kill people literally at the drop of a hat. Anything that they could do, they would kill people. And they had a plane, and they would fly over. And so he had his pilot's license. A couple of them could fly planes. Man, he could have gotten a great job, maybe been a commercial airline pilot. Who knows what he could have done. But they decided to fly their plane over that jungle, dropping little gifts and presents and things that would help them. And so they kept dropping. And they finally got the courage. They thought the reception was going to be warm. They landed, and all five of the men were murdered the first time they landed, really. They landed, and they were murdered. What would you say about somebody like that? That seems like a waste of their life, right? It seems like a waste of ability. It seems like a waste of intellect and money and time and energy. Man, all that time preparing to get there. Then on top of that, and then they're murdered in just the first little bit because you should have known. You should have known they're crazy people, right? The first time they really try to attempt to share the gospel, they're killed. And a lot of people would call that a waste. And his friends and his own death were ultimately the open door for his wife and their families to share the gospel with those villagers, including leading the murderers to Jesus. That man's name was Jim Elliott. His wife's name was Elizabeth. And the four other missionaries and their families helped lead the same people who murdered their husbands to Jesus because of the open door of forgiveness, that they would be willing to be kind and forgive the people who murdered their family members. And he knew that giving everything for Jesus was not a waste. And Jim was famously quoted in one of his journals. He said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And man, did he live that out and die that. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He didn't matter that he was a, a charismatic young guy. He didn't matter that he was strong and able and he had abilities and knowledge. He could have made a lot of money. He said, I'm going to spread the gospel to people who need it. And his life was taken, but through that death of his own, his family was able to share the gospel. And he knew that the only life that really matters is eternity. So the question that you and I have to answer is this. Is my life waste or worship? Is my life waste or worship? Do I live a life of worship or am I just wasting it on something that's going to be gone just a minute or two after I'm gone? You see, Jim said something less well known but no less profound in one of his journals. He said this. When the time comes to die, make sure that all you have to do is die. When the time comes to die, 
make sure that all you have to do is die. And so I'm asking myself and I'm asking all of you, those of you watching online, are you living a life that is ready to meet Jesus? And are you living a life that is helping other people get ready to meet Jesus so that when it's time for you to die, that all you have to do is die? And you don't have to say, oh, man, I wish I had more time. I wish I could go talk to them. I wish I could give a little bit more of my money because it's just going to rot. I wish I had more energy. I wish I had more this. I wish I had more that. No, I'm ready to die because I've poured it all out. It might have looked like a waste to the world, but it's worship to God. And I am thankful that I could pour it all out. So I want to invite you to waste your life for the cause of Jesus, to just pour it out, knowing that this will be worship. If there's something standing in your way today as we get ready and sing this song, I want to invite you to really say, God, get it out of my way. I'm tired of being held back. I'm tired of standing on the sidelines. I'm tired of being frugal. I'm tired of being ready and waiting. I'm ready to jump in. I'm ready to waste my life as worship to you. And let's do this together because the world will be saved by wasteful worshipers. Let's stand the same. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's Sermon Podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement in Seed.